Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. This week we're talking about randomness in games, from roll and moves to roll and resolve, variable setup to drawing tiles, drawing cards, and rolling for actions. How does randomness work in some of our favorite games, and what kinds of randomness do we like or that we really, really hate? How much randomness is too much randomness? But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison and the Gifted Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. And a huge thank you to all of our patrons as well, many of which are listening to us live right now and will ping us in chat when we do things wrong or forget about a cool random game. And yeah, you can join us by going to tabletopgametalk.com slash live Mondays, 830, uh, 8.30 Central Time. And yeah, no matter what the page says when you go there before then, just assume it's always Monday, 830 <laughs> Central Time. Every day, every night I re- try to remember, it's like, oh, I need to update that as part of my posting process. And then every Sunday night, I'm like, oh, oops, I forgot to change that a week ago. So <laughs> <laughs> it's there, I promise. Um, let's see, a couple, well, one bookkeeping thing. So Jesse from Dice Tower Now pointed out that we talked about Mechs versus Minions and Food Chain Magnet last week. And... I think I said I might. they were out of print or hard to get. Um, apparently, Mechs versus Minions is available from Riot Games directly for $95. So a little more than the $75, but still a great value. And Food Chain Magnet is in stock at Game Nerds for $89. So if you're looking for those games. Um, I almost want to get another copy of Mechs versus Minions, but I've already played <laughs> it through. And it's just so pretty. It's just so good. If, if you like co-op games... And you liked, you know, League of Legends. League of Legends. <laughs> yeah. Then just just pick it up aside on scene. But if you just like co-op games and kind of like a it's a programming game, um, similar to something like Robo Rally, but co-op and uh, it's just so good. So um before we started recording, those who were in our <laughs> live audience knows that we were talking about a number of things. Too Many Bones was a big topic, but we'll talk about that later. The thing that we probably <laughs> won't talk about for randomness, except it is kind of random, is Kitty's Phantom Baby Kicks. Yep. Apparently so, experienced by 40% of women after pregnancy. Uh, I sometimes get Phantom Baby Kicks, and they're very distracting. And I was Googling information about it instead of paying attention. <laughs> so is sense. it actually... Yeah, like at what month range is the intensity of the kick? Um, I would say it's like mid range. It's you know, like it feels definitely like a kick. Yeah, I'd say five or six. It's not like the end where you're like, oh, that's a foot. That's this foot. <laughs> it's not that kind of like specific feeling. It's more of the like, oh, what a cute baby movement kind of feeling. But I'm like, oh, I definitely am not pregnant. Hmm. <laughs> see, that would freak me out because I'd be like, oh, what a cute baby movement. And then I would look over and see my child and I'd be like, I'm uh. not a woman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there would be that too. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think it, I mean, obviously it is a little bit, but like, I think it's kind of analogous to like phantom phone vibrations, you know? Yes. It's, Where it's um, like, oh, my phone vibrated. Oh, wait, no, it didn't. Yeah, I would say that that's kind of the same. It's the same kind of like, I definitely felt that, except it's not real kind of a yeah. sensation. It's more of like the the nerve end. Well, not even the nerve endings, like the neurons in your brain are triggering in a familiar way. Well, one of the theories is that your when your uterus grows, it actually creates more 
like sensation in your stomach, you grow a larger like network of feeling receptors because normally you don't feel a lot of like internal stuff. You feel more on your skin. So it makes it easier to feel other things going on in your stomach area. I still think it's just gas, but it's in a different place than gas. It's probably (laughs) just like, you know, other digestion movements, but still, you know, yucky. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah, no, I Fletcher, you make a good point with the phantom phone vibrations because for the longest time, those happened all the time. But now I, yeah. my phone's too big; I don't put it in my pocket anymore, so it's gone away. But yeah, I don't I get guess, them much anymore either. But I used to get but, them all the time. Yeah, the but small iPhone. Do you get iPhone. the phantom Apple Watch buzz? Because I feel like I feel the no. the watch buzz sometimes. I'm always wearing my real. watch though. Yeah, there's no such thing as phantom because it's just real, real watch buzzing. No, sometimes I feel like it buzzed and then I look at it and I'm like, oh, it didn't do anything. Yeah, My watch has been telling me that my heart rate is high. And so the Apple Watch, for those who don't know, <laughs> if you were sitting and doing nothing, maybe watching TV, eating a giant bowl of ice cream and eating Doritos, um, theoretically, uh, your watch will just give you a, a notification saying, hey, for the last 10 minutes, your heart rate's been above 120 and you haven't been doing anything. And that's one of the most Are concerning okay? things. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And so now I've been watching and my heart rate, like your arresting heart rate should be around 70 or so. And mine right this very minute is 105. I am talking, like I'm sitting at a computer talking. Do you and feel like your heart is beating quickly? I don't. Yeah, mine's 64 then, right now. See, yeah, you're like just doing nothing. <laughs> But at, at the same time, I'm like, when I know it's high, I'm like, is my skin tingling? It, am I dizzy? Like, am I b- vision blurred? What's what's going on? Yeah, mine's 72. To- yeah, exactly. So I, I'm actually going to go to the doctor just be like, hey. You should do. You might have a mild tachycardia. Whatever Fletcher said could happen. And I don't want to do that. <laughs> go to your doctor. Maybe it has something out. to do with all of the ice cream and Doritos you're eating. Well, in fairness, ice cream and Doritos are delicious. But... You get to wear a Holter monitor for 24 hours, maybe. <laughs> those are super fun. Ooh, that sounds great. Well, it's Spencer one of the reasons had why to do I cut, one of those tests. Yeah, I'm cutting back on the caffeine significantly, so I've stopped drinking my gallon and a half of Diet Coke a day. Um, yes. I've switched over to just a little bit of iced tea and decaf coffee. Uh, it hasn't really changed still 25% anything. Still 25% caffeine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I but it's still lower than what I was doing before. You can't just go completely yeah. cold turkey. So... Anyways, also, I had the, the lowest one, and I drink so much caffeine, it's ridiculous in a day. So. I never had a problem before. My watch tells me that my normal average resting heart rate is 70. Um, but in the last week and a half, it's like, nah, you're about mid-80s now. And I'm like, I wonder if it has something to do with lack of sleep. Yeah. yeah. Stress from a baby, perhaps. So a couple things online. There's like dehydration, um, s- disrupted sleep schedules, things like that. So it's possible. It's just normal. <laughs> disrupted sleep schedule. Why would you have one of those? I know. I know. <laughs> but I should go to the doctor more often. I'm old. Age sucks. So speaking of random topics, let's talk <laughs> about randomness in games. <laughs> so I have, we've been talking about top games for a while now and i think i've mentioned too many bones in every episode for the past five or six and it was going to be a topic and might still be a topic games that grow on you um but i decided that i really wanted to talk about the randomness in games because too many bones is just a completely random game 
And I'm going to talk more about it a little bit later. But randomness in games is something that game designers um, really have to lean into, understand. Different types of games will have different kinds of randomness, and that will draw people or repel people from them. And I made you guys listen to Ludology, uh, which is a game design podcast on randomness. And I will admit, I have not listened to that one recently, but I listened to it a long time ago. So, um, but I wanted to make sure that we all had a, a place to talk from. Uh, I listen so to I it wanted... occasionally still. Yeah, it's it's a great podcast. It's a good podcast, part of the Dice Tower Network. Yeah, but it is part of that, <laughs> and they're a great part of the Dice Tower Network. So I wanted to talk about um, games in general. And I would say in hobby games, most of our games have some kind of randomness. Um, we're going to look at this in three different ways, though. I'm going to start, and then Fletcher's going to talk about input randomness, and Kitty's going to talk about output randomness. And you ask what's left, and that is no randomness. So <laughs> <laughs> games that have no random elements at all are more of your like classic um, ancient type games. Um, things like chess, right? Well, chess we know isn't that ancient, but Go is an, a completely non-random game. I would say a lot of the not random games are ancient games, but not all ancient games lack randomness because dice are some of the first things invented in gaming. Yep. A hundred percent. And, 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 but there, and there are other like two player games. You see a lot of no randomness. Um, Like Homeworlds is a no random game. You set it up. Everyone, the only decisions or the only, Things that happen are things that players decide happens. So you could play the exact same game over and over and over again. Uh, but things like chess and go and homeworlds, the reason why you can play the same games over and over and over again is because no one's ever making the exact same decisions every single time. Um, and things like chess is almost a solved game for the first like two thirds of it. Um, I think there's some database out there that has monitors every championship or tournament chess play ever and you can say okay it took you know 22 moves before they deviated from this game that happened at this time in this year uh so it's like you are playing a game that's already been played until you're not which is interesting but those games are still you know they're they're pure skill games it's pure you are playing your opponent you're not playing the game well you are playing the game you're not playing against the game that that would be a better way to say that right (laughs) Um, uh, I'd also, I guess, I don't know <laughs> if you're playing against or for the game. Yeah. Now, I will say there are many, many hobbyist games that are very, very light randomness, and these can fall into the Euro game categories where the randomness is really just in setup, and then from that point on, it's how the players react. Um, a couple games I thought of in this particular situation would be even something like Scythe. Scythe is. You're picking your random um, factions and your random player boards. But in, until the combat card happens, or a, not a, a counter card, everything else in that game is basically determined by what the players do. There's no random resolve or anything like that. So it's very, very close to no random, but there's still enough random there where, you know, you could draw an encounter card that just swings the game for you. So there's still that some randomness in there. So that's no random. Um, let's talk about input randomness. And to this, I'm going to throw it over to Fletcher. So input randomness is when an event happens and you as the player decide what to do, but the results of the decision are ultimately deterministic. So 
this is like you know drawing cards in magic the gathering where you have a you know your deck and the randomness is already predecided. you're just drawing from a set of, of already random cards um as chris said like random setup at the beginning of the of the game like um scythe a little bit there's a little bit of random setup at the beginning and then after that it's all player interaction um and then some more examples are like terraforming mars oven wonders wingspan and uh, viticulture again all setup stuff and card draw stuff um azul is another good one that one at least doesn't have cards but it's like you're drawing tiles from a bag and then you decide what are you going to do with what's already been put on the board as random things happen you're responding to them so if you're talk to a lot of gamers that think about this stuff, most people like input randomness. Give me an event and let me decide what to do with it. What do you guys' take on that type of game? I much prefer games with input randomness to output randomness. I think they tend to feel more puzzly in general. You are given the condition and then you get to decide what to do with it. It's all in front of you. You don't have to kind of make any guesses. You don't have to, I don't know. You're rarely <laughs> disappointed with your decision, right? Yeah. Um, like, also, you. I don't know. Maybe we should talk about output randomness before we get too deep into... Because I think what I like about input randomness is that it's not output randomness. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair. All right, so let's talk about output randomness. What is output randomness? So output randomness is when you make the choice and then there are there's some sort of random element that determines the results. So risk is, I think, the example that almost everyone would know is you choose to attack the country and then you roll the dice to resolve the results of the battle. So you are... Doing, you are making your choice, and then the random event happens, rather than the random event determining your choice. Right. So, and this is a situation where pretty much Risk is a great example, but almost any war game, any yeah. dudes on a map game that are running around, you're usually going to roll dice to resolve conflicts. Um, there could I be feel other like a ways. A lot of dice rolling is how this mostly works, but it can also be card drawing. It can be lots of other ways, but it. It's when it comes after the decision is made. You make the decision and then the randomness happens. Yeah, it determines the results of that decision. Yes. Is the key piece here. Um, yeah, I mean, if we're talking about, you know, Fletcher, I know you like D&D. D&D is all about output randomness, right? Yeah. You have a ton of decisions you can make and then you make a decision and you roll to see what happens. Yeah. So... Fletcher, I'm going to go to you first. How do you feel about output randomness? So I was looking at these two, and I was like, I, I guess I tend to play more output randomness games just overall than I do input randomness games. And I, and I see like the merits of both, but I feel like I don't think you could really play a game like D&D &D if you try to convert it to input randomness because then... I don't even know how it would work. You'd be like drawing <laughs> cards or something like that for like actions. It's like, oh, I can only move twice this round or I can I can move and then I can melee fight, but I can't use my dagger or my sling, which <laughs> I really want to use my sling because I'm a or, or, you know, you have a bow, but you're, and you're a ranger, but you can't do that. Or you can cast a spell. You can't cast a spell. Like that would be the input randomness, right? Like you draw you draw something and then you can like determine what you do with that. But that doesn't 
I'm, I'm not sure how that works in a would work in a combat game, kind of like D&D or Gloomhaven or like that. I think that when output randomness works best is in games where it's kind of a storytelling kind of a game. So when you are setting up events and then it gives you a kind of story element of like, you know, in D&D, the random result you know, you know what your choices are. You're either going to pass or fail. It's usually one of two things. And also in these uh, kinds of games, you usually have modifiers, something that you can do to kind of mitigate the randomness. So if I want to be really good at something, I can put points into those abilities. And then I feel like more often than not, I'm going to be able to succeed despite the randomness. Whereas even if you're really bad at something, you might still have that chance to succeed in spite of it. And it, it's fun little story elements that way. Whereas in games like, I'm trying to think of a really bad output randomness game. I don't know. It, it feels more like it's building a story, even in a game like Risk or any other war game, you know, you can think of like the one soldier holding off the line, you know, the 300, whatever it is, you're holding this little spot with this one guy and the randomness is on your side. And it feels so much fun to do that sometimes. And you can like tell these little stories. I think that's where output randomness really shines. I, I think, I think you're right. Like output randomness is kind of, I don't know, in terms of like D and D or, or like the war games that the war games that I've played, it's, it's more like mimicking, you know, quote unquote real life where you have unlimited decisions, but yeah. it's how well do you execute those decisions? Um, you, it, real life is not like you only have, you rarely only have like a, a few decisions in real life, but you can execute them all perfectly, but you can only make one of them. <laughs> yeah. I find it, I find output randomness to be a little bit more, you have to think of a big picture strategy to like take advantage of it because it's any one event can really go against you. So when you have things where you're rolling for the results of a choice, you need to have a lot of choices so that you're rolling. And in, in the end, it's going to average out to work out your strategy. You know, there's going to be battles you lose, but maybe your strategy is still going to allow you to win the war type of thing. Mm -hmm. Where with input, I see that as a little bit more tactical. Like, I know what's going to happen if I do this. And the difference is, it's it's interesting because I think that input randomness will lead to more analysis paralysis because it's like, okay, these are the things I can do. This is what's going to happen when I do each one of these things. How can I optimize this turn? Where with output, it's like, well, there's still these things I can do and I can do all of these things, but none of them are guaranteed. So I'm just going to go for the one I think is going to be best in the moment as opposed to have to analyze every single thing because you really can't analyze because you haven't rolled the dice yet. You literally have no idea what's going to happen. So something I think is fun is the random element that other players bring to the game so that there's the built-in randomness of the game. But I like games with input randomness where you can't think too far ahead because what the other players are going to do on their turn is going to change so much of the state of the board that you can't know exactly what's going to happen. So it's kind of a mix of the input randomness plus the the no randomness games. But in those situations, the um, I think in Lodology, they talk about this being um, uncertainty. 
the uncertainty of what the other player is going to do. It's not random because there's a thought behind it. There's a process. And you can try to think like other players and you can make these guesses about what's going to happen. But really, you don't know. So it feels like it can be random. But it's not. It's the other player's actions. But I like it because I can't get totally wrapped up in analysis paralysis. I can only do what I'm going to do on my turn. There's only so much decision to make there. Because if I can see out too many steps, then it does. It just stops me and I can't play and Josh is going to win that game always. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what you're talking about is like the perspective, your perspective of what Fletcher might do is random to you. Yeah. It isn't to Fletcher. Fletcher knows what he's going to do. His is deterministic. But if you're like, well, I'm going to play this card, and if Fletcher has this counter, I'm screwed. But there's, <laughs> it's only a random chance that he has it. So I'm going to go for the odds and see what happens. Now, Fletcher knows if you play that card, I can counter it. But to him, it becomes an input. Like If you're talking, you know, throw Keyforge out there, for example, right? You are drawing cards, actually, any any collectible dueling thing. You draw your cards, and now that's your input randomness. How are you going to play out your turn? And this actually goes to a number, a whole other category of games that have essentially both. Um, so what I do is I'm reacting to the cards I draw. How successful I am at that reaction is going to be based on what the other person drew and how they utilize those cards. So it's this input-output tennis match that goes on. Now, depending on where you draw the line, is it all output? Like, I'm going to do all these things and then see what happens on your end? No, I would still say that's more of an input randomness game. But that feeling that I don't know for sure if this is a great move makes the game interesting and makes those decisions all the more interesting, even though they're not 100% deterministic because of what your opponent might do. I think this was a really good um, point that they made is that this is the difference between a game and a puzzle is the uncertainty. And if you have if no uncertainty, it's a puzzle. And if you if there's uncertainty in any way, that makes it more of a game. So it all depends on how you're looking at things, puzzle or game. Um, and so in some ways, chess feels more like a puzzle than a game sometimes. But it is that uncertainty of what your opponent is going to do, which does at times feel random to you, then, you know, that that's what makes it more of a game. Yeah. Well, and I would agree. Like, if you look at something like checkers, checkers can be played correctly. And well, actually, let's let's go back even further, <laughs> even smaller than that. Tic-tac-toe. Tic-tac-toe is not a game, right? It is It is a puzzle of sorts. It is solved. You can play that game so you will never, ever lose. Like, it's... No matter what, you're just never going to lose if you play it, quote unquote, correctly. Now, the decision space there is very, very small. So what I do is going to force you to do specific things. And that's why this game is unwinnable. I mean, it's a draw every time. It's not like you're going to win every time. You just draw every time. But when you get into bigger decision spaces, unless you're playing a child, (laughs) yep. (laughs) Uh, When you get into bigger decision spaces, even checkers, chess, go, um, it's still deterministic based on what the players do, but the decision space is so huge that you can't truly have a deterministic game every single time. So I want to talk. look at a few games. Well, I really want to talk about Too Many Bones. Actually, no. I'm going to switch <laughs> to Too Many Bones right now. Um, Fletcher, actually, before we go on, Fletcher, any comments on any of that thing we just talked about? Um, you know, I was thinking about like the input randomness and the output randomness, and I think 
in the Ludology podcast that we were listening to, they brought up Stratego. And I forget if they classified it. I guess that would be like input randomness. But they made a comment about it that I didn't quite agree with. Because they're like, oh, yeah, because you set up the board and then it's just all random after that. And I was thinking like, well, no, it's it's only random to one of the players at a time. Yep. It's not random to that to that one person. I think they were confusing randomness with hidden information. Because yes. in a game like checkers or chess, there's no hidden information. Once that move is made, it's not like they can make a secret move or they can just pull out another piece behind the <laughs> board. And um, But it has to do, I had to do like more with hidden information more than anything else because it wasn't random it's not random it's yeah. just hidden information pure yeah, hidden I think information it, i agree with you it's input randomness but it's hidden input randomness which makes it yeah. seem random to the other player even though it's already been determined and i think that 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 level of understanding how it, it's not even random even the input randomness isn't random because you're making those choices right you're determining where yeah, all these pieces go so Stratego is almost a no random game. It's just a hidden information game, which makes yeah. it feel random. It's kind of like a, a what what is it? Mastermind or what's that? Yeah, yeah. It, it, Mastermind. It, yep. It, yeah. It's not it's not random because the person chose a combination. You're just guessing it. It's like it's more like a puzzle than anything else almost. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I like that concept of the closer you get to pulling out randomness, the more you get to a puzzle versus a game. Now, don't don't at me on that. I've, I've never used that <laughs> term, but I kind of like it. Don't at me. Um, I get there's no real value in saying this is a puzzle, this is a game, except for it's fun to discuss definitions. But it does the indeterministic aspect of a game does make it feel more... I don't know, surprising. Like there's things that could happen. You're not trying to figure it out. You're trying to get through it the best you can. And to me, that's kind of the fun of a game. If you look at sports, for example, um, it's that they're just trying to do as, as well as you can. And if the game had no randomness, then it wouldn't be nearly as interesting. So I, yeah, I like that, that sliding scale. All right. Too many bones. <laughs> For those who have never played this, this is the most random game I think I have ever played and still called a game. Because there is that sliding scale where you can get to completely random. There is no um, player interaction at all or player choice at all. Player agency is the word I was looking for. Um, LCR, for example, there is no player agency whatsoever. Players do not make any choices. You just roll dice until somebody's left standing. Um, many, many kids' games are like this. You just spin a dial or roll a die or whatever. Draw the card. Until the game is, draw a card. What would you until say about the game is war. Uh, war. Yeah. War is yep. completely, there's nothing to decide though, right? So these yeah. games go all the way to the only random. And there's nothing else about them. Um, and I use games very, very lightly there. They're basically choosing techniques. Let's let's decide who's going to pick dinner type of thing. Um, we'll play a game <laughs> of war. <laughs> it's the fairest way. Um, oh, my gosh. But... We're never going to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ten hours later. <laughs> we've, we've starved. We're just skeletons with a, a pile of cards in front of us. Um, <laughs> too many bones. So, too many bows. Good segue back. I like what you did there. So, for those people who have not played Too Many Bones, um, this is a game by Chip Theory Games. I think this is their second game. Chip Theory Games gets their name from the fact that poker chips are their 
miniatures in all of their games. Too Many Bones also has a lot of dice. And the way that this game works is you are... I'm going to do how to do this in two minutes. I'm going to time myself. <laughs> to set up an adventure, you're going to pick a tyrant, which is the big bad. And the tyrant's going to tell you how many days you have to defeat him. You're going to take that many encounter cards, minus a couple, and add in his tyrant encounters, and add in a couple day one, day two encounters. And this is going to form a deck of encounters. So it's a random deck of encounters. Now, you're going to draw a card, and it's going to give you a choice, usually two choices, um, of usually the different types of combat that's going to happen. So you're going to make that choice, and if it's combat, you're going to set up on a 4 by 4 grid, uh, where you have bad guys on the top two rows, whether they're ranged or melee, and good guys, you, on the bottom two rows, which is melee or um, range, and you're going to roll dice. The only thing you're going to decide in this combat is what dice you want to roll. And if you want to use the dice after you roll them, and then you can move around and the moving is deterministic as well. So if I want to attack a baddie, I might roll two attack dice and a defense die. I roll these dice. If they come up as fails, which are bones, I can put those in a backup. They literally call the backup plan. Otherwise, I roll hits, I do damage, I roll defense, I can store it. If I roll special dice, and there's 16 special dice for every character, and there's a bunch of different characters, um, then I can choose whether or not I want to use that die, or I can say, nope, I want to re-roll it next turn, and I just put it back and I can re-roll it later. That's essentially the game you're going to play through until you get to your tyrant, and then you're going to fight the big bad. So that's a two-minute explanation of Too Many Bones. There are two decision points that you can make that are deterministic in this game. Three. I'm going to say three. One, you can decide what dice you're going to roll. Two, you can decide if you're going to use those dice or not. And three, you're going to get certain training points as you play through the game, and you can decide which dice you want to add to your character. So you start out with no dice, essentially, and you add those dice over time. It is a random roll fest. Sydney and I just recently played a game where we got to the boss and reset the combat four times. Because the first three times, we just died in the very first round without being able to do anything. <laughs> so we did another random setup, another random setup. Another, and then finally, the last random setup, we almost beat him, even though I was killed in the first round. Sydney would, was able to stick around up until the very last roll, and we still lost. We still set that game up four times in the final boss after playing eight encounters before getting to him and still loved it. Why? Why? This is a question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've never played this game. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know either. <laughs> but I I can say it does sound a little... <laughs> Taryn says Pav- Pavlov would know. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it comes down to the same kind of feeling with D&D and other kind of output randomness storytelling games is, you know, it's really fun to come up against these encounters and it isn't fun if you win every time. If you always win, what is the point of playing the game? And you have to have these moments of struggle and these like, I don't know, we've put so much effort and time into this. We have to see how we can succeed. Was there ever a way? And in D&D, you know, once the dice are cast, that's it. But there's the fun part later of kind of going over the game. I don't know any person in D&D who has ever just like lost in their encounter, TPK, and then everyone was like, 
oh, well, now we're never going to talk about that again. You, like, you talk about that forever. And it's like, well, what ability did the monster have that let us do that? How could we, if we had changed this, if only the dice had done this, like whatever it was, you know, you're going to have those moments as much as you're going to have those like, I rolled an amazing crit and we defeated this monster we never should have had a chance against. And like those moments, it's the good and the bad are both fun to talk about. Yeah. Terrence mentions it's Las Vegas. <laughs> it's, yeah. You know, which is it's to a certain extent, it's true. So Fletcher, you mentioned that same aspect. Fletcher, you mentioned um, you don't know how an input randomness role playing game would work. Too many bones for all intents and purposes to me, feels like an input randomness role-playing game with a ton of output randomness as well. There's randomness all over the place on this thing. (laughs) But the way that works is I get to roll my dice. I get to decide which ability dice, if I've trained them, I get to decide which ability dice I'm going to roll. And I roll them. And depending on the results, I may get a complete miss, a a minor, we'll just, I'll use damage as an example. There's literally dozens of different effects, but I might get a complete miss. I might do one damage or I might do two damage. Well, maybe there there's one side in that die that's two damage and poison. And that's the side I really want, but I rolled the one damage. So now it's like, this is what I can do. I can decide to do the one damage right now, or I can say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to save this die. I'm going to roll it again next turn to see if I can do better. So I have these choices I get to make after the dice are rolled as to whether or not I will use them or not. And that's mm. super compelling in a way where it's like, well, do I, I really was hoping for that other result, but do I have time to try again for that other result? Or do I just go with this and hope that next round I can do something other? otherwise that's going to be good? Also, they're going to attack me. Whew, I really hope this one defense that I rolled is going to be enough because I only have three life left. And if they roll four damage, I'm dead. And these decisions are made between all of these random events, even though it's all random. And it almost feels like when I roll, the decisions themselves are deterministic at that point. Once the dice have been rolled, I'm making, I'm determining, do I want to apply them? So there is more input randomness than output randomness. But as I decide what dice I want to roll, that's more of an output randomness to see the results. Like I said, that's just, it's nothing but random all over the place, but it feels like there's so many meaningful decisions to make it all the time. And you're just praying every single time that the dice do what you want them to do. <sighs> Everyone should just go buy too many bones. It's amazing. I don't I have think... 45 pounds of space. It's taking <laughs> So true. Um, you know, Chris, I'm reminded in this moment of another game with output randomness that you insist the output randomness is like the most fun part of the game. And that is the Arkham Horror Living Card Game, where you are drawing those tokens out of that bag. You love talking about this token drawing aspect of the game. Yeah. And I have never played it because it sounds awful. But (laughs) I will will Scrabble. Yeah. Oh, no, Scrabble's the worst game. Um, I will say that... For the longest time, if you just asked me whether or not I like input randomness or output randomness in games, um, I would say input randomness. But the more I look at my favorite games and look at how the randomness works in them, yes, my favorite games have a lot of input randomness. Arkham Horror, the card game, is one of those things where you're drawing cards, you're having events happen. All of that stuff is input randomness, things that you're responding to. But the part of the game that adds suspense, the part of the game that makes it to the point where it's like, 
I can't believe that just happened, which is really what you need in these like experienced, like memorable games is that random event of reaching into the bag, grabbing a token, pulling it out, close fisted, knowing you have the fate of your turn in your hand. <laughs> and when you open it up and see what the result is, that is pure and simple output randomness. And it is the most it is clutch in this game because if everything was deterministic, it would be a snooze fest. They'd be like, eh, yeah, I can solve this puzzle. I can just, I can do this. I can make this happen. It's, there's nothing really to do here. Um, and there's nothing wrong with puzzles. Like Spirit Island is, there's almost no randomness in your action resu- resolutions, but there's so much going on. Like it is a huge thinky puzzle. It's still fun. Um, I love puzzles, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And it, and it's, and it's great. It just feels different because it feels like you either figured out the puzzle and could get a solution or there was no solution because you just got yourself into a situation where you couldn't get out of it. And when you figure out the puzzle, it feels great, but there's no unknown. The unknown's not there. Another game that I've talked about recently is um, the Lord of the or uh, War of the Rings. This is a dudes on a map. You know, Mordor is trying to take over the world and stuff. And you roll dice to determine what actions you're allowed to take in that particular round. So I may roll five or six, seven dice, however, depending. And those are the actions I get to take. When I take actions, they're deterministic. They do what the cards tell or whatever. I'm going to move armies until I get into a battle. And then a battle is just you're rolling six-sided dice to see, you know, who wins the battle. All of that is great. Like, what actions? Did I get the actions I needed? No. Okay, well, I have to replan because these are the actions I have to deal with. All right, so I need to attack there, and I'm really hoping the dice go well for me because that part is not deterministic. That's going to be a fight, and I'm doing everything I can to throw stuff at the dice to try to mitigate that randomness as much as I can, but there's only so much you can do. And when you overcome something that's like, I shouldn't have been able to do that, but it was amazing. Or worse, I'm I'm in a stronghold. I'm being attacked, and I'm like, I need to defend to the last guy otherwise mortar is gonna win and you do and it's just insane like the the emotional roller coaster you go on because of output randomness i i I feel like i'm defending output randomness that's what the title should be output randomness it's not that bad (laughs) i think the only person you're defending against is yourself (laughs) (laughs) i don't think there's anything wrong with output randomness I will say most of the games I prefer have generally more on the input randomness side, but that's, you know, a personal preference of mine. And I, I do think there's something to this, you know, story element of output randomness that most of these games, it is like telling the story is the output. Like it's, um, how, how do I put, I don't know. I already talked about this too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but, I mean- yeah, the the out the randomness helps tell a story as opposed to it helps create a story as opposed to telling a story. It's not a book yeah. at that point. It's it's something that is happening and those series of events are not going to ever happen again. It just happened to you and your group at that time and that's what made that story interesting. Mhm. Um all right, a couple other games I want to throw out there. Pandemic. Input, output, thoughts on it? Input. It's both. Why? Uh, because of the the card stack in the beginning that you have to you make, and you're reacting based on all those card draws. Okay, but Kitty, you said it's both. So where's the output in there? Um, I guess not. It is just input. It feels like output, 
I think it's um I think there's a significant amount of output, but it's hidden. All right, tell me where it is cuz I'm not so, seeing it. So, it is do we reduce the virus in Paris? You're making a decision. You say so you have Paris and and London, right? And which one should we reduce the virus in? You know that these cards are going to come up, but you have to make a decision one way or the other to try to mitigate the randomness of the next card draw. It's still input as well, because once those cards are drawn, you have to respond to it. But once you know what could potentially come up, and you do in Pandemic, because you recycle those cards over and over, you are now playing a game where I need to... I'm making moves because I, I know something could happen. I think still, that's input. That's, yeah. yeah oh, you think still it, input uh, randomness. You yeah. Can't, you can't say... I mean, yeah, I guess like, so. in, input randomness is output randomness, like, the <laughs> next turn, but it's still... Well you, well, you can, but maybe maybe it is still input randomness, because you're inputting... The input is the statistical probability of something happening. Yeah. Yeah. It feel When you're drawing cards, it's... it When you're not, like, no. drawing cards into your hand, it feels a little different. When you're, like, flipping them up onto the table, that... It, it's a different kind of randomness feeling because you are, but once you know what's coming, that's it, it's important. Yeah, I'm it's not take, like it's not like you go to a city and you're like, I want to hear, I I want to re- remove a cube. You don't roll a dice. You don't roll the dice. Yeah, right. correct. You, that's you true. just do it. Yeah, you're, you are responding well, to the randomness. You are not causing the randomness. I all right. Maybe. I am going to retract the <laughs> statement I just said, though. Statistical information is not input randomness. Statistical information is making decisions based on the output, the the possibility of what the output randomness is. Because otherwise, all roll to resolve would be input randomness, because statistically, I'm going to roll the right number I need 40% of the time. You're going to use that information to make that decision, but the result is still you know, 40% versus whatever. And I I think that while pandemic is primarily input randomness, when you get hit, when you make the wrong decision, when you save the wrong city and the other city gets hit, it feels like an output event. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it can feel like an output event, but because maybe it feels like an output event if you, if you get a, an outbreak because then you're getting these chain reactions and you're like, oh, this is... It's output, but it's it's not random. Like, you drew the card, and now this is exactly what's going to happen. It's not like it wasn't well, going to happen. You and drew the card the to cards, see what was going to happen. Especially once you've drawn the first, like, you know, so many cards, you hit the first epidemic, whatever it is, card. You know what the top cards are on the deck, and you know how many of them are. It's just what order they're in. And they're already in that order. It, it's all input. <laughs> I say you're yeah. still... You're literally drawing a card to see what happens. I think that's output. I think there's. I think it's mostly input. But no. when you <laughs> you're drawing, drawing a card, a card is, no, from any the, decision that you make, there's no random component to that decision that you make. You yes. do it or you or you don't. All right, you've convinced it's me like on Yoda. that argument. Do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> you convinced me on that. The game is doing something. Yes, but your decisions are drawn driven only by the random events that happen to that point, your decisions are always going to be deterministic. All right, yes. you've convinced me. It's definitely input. I like it. 
All right, do um, we have another game we can tell you you're wrong? <laughs> um, well, I'm actually curious what you guys think. Uh, you guys have both played Blood Rage. I know, Kitty, you have. Fletcher, you've played Blood Rage? <laughs> yeah. All right. This one, to me, um, I'm unsure exactly. Now, there is the drafting round, and drafting is an input randomness, right? You're drawing cards. You're picking your cards based on what you have presented there. And yes. there is a player aspect to uh, when you're in combat, you're going to play a card and your opponent's going to play a card. What is is this input or output or is it just more just pure playing against the player? I think player? that's a little bit of output randomness, right? Because you're trying to see if you beat the other person's card. And it's not like rolling a dice, but, you know, you can still, you don't know the outcome until you until you place your bet. So even though... Yeah, and I, I guess I would. I mean, I yes. Is there any other aspects of that game that have any random elements besides setup? There's the setup stuff there, but I mean the pa- I mean the the pass and play, right? Like you, right? The draft, the drafting. Like you don't know what cards you're going to get, which changes your strategy maybe as you go along. So this is an interesting one because I agree all all those things. If you took out the combat cards that added to your ability because you can look at the board and say okay i have six strength versus your three strength if you just said i'm going to attack there i have six strength you have three strength therefore i win that game becomes far less interesting by adding that random event and it's not a die roll you can still kind of play the odds i know what the ranges of strength cards are even though i'm playing it against you and i have to play against what you're thinking a little bit i what i'm what i'm trying to decide is is that random at all, or is it reading your opponent, and is that different? Because it's, I mean, sort of, it's different than Stratego, right? Stratego, you're reading, well, maybe it's the same. You're still trying to read your opponent and what they did. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's, so it's not random in the sense that you're rolling a dice or die, but you have to, I mean, you have to gauge how, like, how much is winning this battle worth to me, and what kind of card do I have to give up? And I have to gauge how much is winning this battle worth to the opponent and what kind of cards do they have and are they willing to give up as well. So there's a lot of guesswork. It's not like random, but it is a lot of, it might as well be almost. You have to like play, you know, you're going to, you know, win or lose. It's not deterministic. It's not. You can't just be like, I'm playing this card and I'm definitely going to beat this. this But I think it might all be input again. Because you have the cards, mm. you're making the decision. There's no. I I still think it's. I, I mean, maybe output randomness is the wrong term because it's not like truly random, like a die roll. But it's output ambiguity, right? It's not output yeah. ambiguity. Like so, pandemic has no output ambiguity. It's just input ambiguity. It's not random. It's just output ambiguity. You don't know if you're going to win or not, which changes how you how you're going to play the game. But you have the decision to make. You have the combat cards in front of you, and you are choosing one based right. on what but you, you don't know, know if you're which succeed. is input. Well, it's not a deterministic result, though. But, yeah. yeah. So you, you do so, have so input many. randomness, but it's also, even though you have in, a number of choices, when you make that choice, you still don't know what the result's going to be. Making the choice is, is not what is like the output. Because you could say, I choose, like in Dungeons and Dragons, you could say, I choose to attack this guy with my bow staff, or I choose to punch the guy in the face. It's not mm-hmm. the choice, it's whether or not it, it succeeds, and like how much damage you may or may not do. But you can so say, Rage, I'm going to look at my weapons, and I have a plus seven and a plus eight. 
but and you can I'm still roll a one my... and fail. Yeah. yeah. So in Blood Rage, right. though, you have a plus seven and a plus eight, but you don't have to do any rolling. Right. But right. You but still you fail. still don't. But you still don't know if you've won or not. Right. Yeah. The yeah. But that's input, not choice, output. No, no, no. The results of the choice, if it's deterministic, is input. The results of the choice, if it's non-deterministic, is output. I don't know if that's it's. It is true. a gray area because it's not a random event. It's an event that is chosen from your opponent. But again, hidden information that your opponent has is still random to you. That's why. That's why I said it's output ambiguity as opposed to yeah. It's the uncertainty. Randomness. It's not. It. It's yeah. It's the uncertainty yeah. of what your opponent's going to do. It is not output randomness. Yeah. Yeah. Which so, I think might be a better term overall, like input ambiguity and output ambiguity. As opposed to trying to decide what is truly random or not. <laughs> well, well I think if you're random. using something yeah, well, you know what I mean. that yeah. creates randomness, like if you are using like some sort of random information generator, either a random number generator like a die or cubes or tokens, whatever it is, if you are using something that you are gaining a result that you cannot know until you have done it, that's randomness. Whereas if well, you are not choosing one of the... Cat. Right? It's just you don't know whether or not you're Yeah, going so to... if you're looking at the cards and choosing one that you know what it is, that's not Right, but you randomness. don't know the result. You don't know the result. Like, you're yeah, choosing that, you that never, card. Like, that's just playing a game. <laughs> well, right. Well, so, Kitty, back it up to um, our, our risk example. You're choosing yes. to attack Australia. Yes. Sorry, Miles. And when you roll... The di- so you're ch- making that choice. That's your choice to make. The results of that choice you don't know. That's yes. output randomness. So in no. Blood Rage... Rolling the die is the output randomness. The die resolving- roll that I have to do to resolve that battle. Right, the, w- the, the number result- that comes up on right. the die is what creates the randomness. Right. Not right, my decision. A- no, no, no. Your decision is right. But the resolution of that decision, what happens because of that decision... That's output randomness. If you know what it is, then it, no. there is no output randomness. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Miles is blowing a tank at you. I like that tank. <laughs> okay, so hold on. I have decided to attack. I'm going to choose a different country. I'm going to. <laughs> I I am playing Risk. I'm attacking okay. uh, somewhere in South America. Okay. That's a choice I you're have, making. I, that is the choice I'm making. So far, right. no randomness has occurred. Correct. I have 10 people and the other country has two people. I'm rolling that my right. three dice. They're rolling their two. Right. Once we roll the dice, the randomness happens there. Right. Yeah, it collapses. Yep. So in Blood Rage, if like I'm thinking of this right, I have a number of combat cards. Yep. I am choosing one. Correct. And putting it down. Yep. Yep. And then we are flipping them at the same time. Correct. Yep. That's when the randomness collapses. There was never randomness. I chose. I had a choice that I made. Where was the but, random yeah, but number they chose generated? Two. They chose what? two. So so they also it's chose. not it's not the choice. Remember, so in risk, you chose to attack South America. That wasn't right. random. And then, the same way that you chose a card. You chose same to attack way you chose South a America card. and the right. same way you chose a card. So that's a decision that you, you made. You guys aren't gonna change my mind on this. Choosing a card is input randomness. You have Correct. so many we're not, cards. We're <laughs> right, not right. arguing that. In the same hold, hold on. Choosing a card is input <laughs> randomness in the same way that choosing to attack South America is input randomness. Right? You see the analogy? Sure. There? Right. 
So then uh-huh. now you roll the dice. Uh-huh. And the randomness collapses and you just see if you win or lose. Now yes. you're choosing so with your card draw, you flip it over to reveal against the other person's card draw to see if you win or lose. The only random element in that situation is your opponent. Right. Which right. is when the randomness collapses. And it and it turns into output randomness. Because you don't know <laughs> if you win or lose until you collapse the randomness. I don't think that's how it works, but okay. <laughs> we'll let it I go. Mean, the I mean, bottom the easiest way to think about it is if you know for certain the results of your choice, then it's input randomness. If you don't know for certain the results of your choice, it's output randomness. No. And when attacking in blood rage, you don't know for certain the results of your choice. The the choice you made is driven by input randomness, but the results of that choice are not deterministic. And this this only works if you assume, if, if you believe, that hidden information that your opponent has is random to you. That, you that, and Fletcher... That's why, that's why I, I say output ambiguity. Right, right. Yeah, if yeah I completely loaded. agree in that. And it, but I just think it is not output randomness. It is it's uncertainty. Output. It's output sure. uncertainty. That's sure. fine. It's just not randomness because you are not generating any sort of random event based on something that you do not control well, or your opponent does not control. Well, I mean, you so, could, you there's could not argue something that rolling the dice isn't chance. random either. <laughs> yeah. So imagine this. Imagine that, uh, again, it has to be, you have to, either you agree or disagree with this statement. If hidden information from you that your opponent knows, but you don't know, if you allow that to be classified as random to you, then it's still output randomness. If you don't want to classify it that way, then it doesn't matter. Then you're right. It it's nothing's <laughs> random there because I don't classify it that way. Uncertainty yeah. is not randomness. Ambiguity yeah. is not randomness. Randomness is the rolling of the dice, the drawing of a card, the drawing of a token. It is something I, which if, is beyond the control of either player. Yeah, yeah. I think it feels the same though. Honestly, if I'm attacking you in risk, sure, and you roll dice that are and you win that un. Actually, no, I I disagree. I take it back. (laughs) I disagree. I attack you in risk. I know that there is a chance like uh, with the dice that can happen. But with Blood Rage, I am it's the Princess Bride. I'm deducing what I know of you and what I know of myself and never go up against a Sicilian (laughs) when death is on the line. That is completely different than I could just roll a whole bunch of ones and lose even though I'm in the better place strategically speaking yeah right i I don't i think that's why i I like the term output ambiguity and like input ambiguity Mm -hmm. because i think that's what it really comes down to so the question is do you like it do you would you rather play blood rage or risk if you if you know that well either way i don't know what's going to happen when i make this choice it's undetermined when i make this choice which one would you rather lose to the play of a card or the roll of a dice i think i'd rather lose to the dice because then I am not personally responsible. I can blame the dice. Whereas if I chose the card, it's my own fault. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the whole point of this is when you think about randomness in games, whether it's input, output, a lot of this is like input, and output are just names that, you know, Jeff Ingalls, Dean Stein, Ingalls. <laughs> leaving you out on that limb by yourself i know i know know. (laughs) he he basically coined these terms and the idea essentially is you know do you have information is it random before you make the decision or random after you make the decision that's the general feel of this and 
when you look at games, if you want to know whether or not you may like a game that you have not played before, looking at the type of randomness in the game or how decisions are resolved and how decisions are presented to you is a pretty good litmus test for whether or not you're going to like something if you compare it to other games of similar sorts. Do I like Roll to Resolve? I really didn't think I did until, but most of the games that I really, really enjoy are Roll to Resolve games. And so now when I look at that, it's like, oh, that's just random dice chucking all the time. Yes, but there's something fun about random dice chucking. And I don't know what it is. I just know that I like that uncertainty and being able to see, like, just being able to complain about bad rolls all the time or, oh my God, that was just the most amazing role I just had. Like that is fun. And the puzzly input randomness, when I look at games I really like, I'm not drawn to those nearly as much, even though I thought I was. I think it's so funny how we have flipped roles on this podcast, because in the first few episodes, <laughs> I think you would have said, oh, I like puzzly, thinky games. I, you know, I really enjoy something more complex. And now you're like, chuck those dice. And I was like, oh, I love risk. And now I'm like, no, <laughs> I, I want Give to me play. Wingspan. I really enjoy like group solitaire is my <laughs> kind of game. Group solitaire. Every game that I like, it's basically you do your own thing on the board in front of you and try to beat the scores of the other people. There's minor player interactions. You can like take the piece your proponent wanted, but really you're just doing your own thing. That's that's where I like to be. <laughs> you want you just want the highest you want the leaderboard. The yeah. Pac-Man leaderboard. I don't yeah. like it if we can get to take that. I don't like it when people are attacking each other. I don't like, you know, mean feelings. I do like cooperative <laughs> games. If there's cooperative dice chucky games, those are fun to play for me. I love that. I think D D falls into this category. I love to you know, play that whenever we get the chance, which is like never because we all never. had kids and moved away from each other <laughs> or at least Mostly got a puppy. Kids. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have kids. <laughs> Sorry. And I didn't move really. You guys, you guys ruined the plan. You guys both had children and moved away in, in opposite directions. I stayed put. I guess I just smelled yeah. bad. So, well, Fletcher, <sighs> um, you know where Kitty and I stand. Where do you stand on the whole randomness thing? Uh, in terms of what? <laughs> Like, do you are you drawn to one side or the other, or are you just like if you look at the games that you play, I what tend, do you? I think I tend to like uh, the output randomness games more for whatever reason, like D and D, Blood Rage, you know, um, Kingdom Death Monster. Like, I, I I like those, but those are all kind of like RPG games, and I think maybe RPG kind of games maybe lend themselves a little bit more to that. So it might be just more of like a genre bias bias more than anything else. Um, but I don't, I don't know if I have like a strong propensity to either one. Cause I, I did really like magic, the gathering, um, when I was playing it, but, actually that's, you know, there's other problems I have with that game. Yeah. This was, um, a question earlier in the chat. Um, Terrence actually asked, um, if magic or poker are so random, how do many of the same players end up winning so consistently? I would say that these games, I, and I think this goes with pretty much all games, um, most games have an element of input and output randomness in general. Like most games are somewhere in that middle gray area and you're still making decisions. It's not like poker is a random game. It isn't. You are making decisions. And over the long haul, you may have, you may have bad dice rolls or bad hands, right? 
But if you make consistently good decisions over multiple hands, which you could consider rounds in a hobbyist game, those decisions will lead up to a successful win of the game. It's Kenny Loggins. No one, no one to hold them, no one to fold them. <laughs> Kenny Rogers, not Kenny Loggins, but yes. Um, one of those Kenny Rogers, right. Sorry, Kenny yeah. Rogers. But, but that's, Thank I you, think Miles. that's really what it comes down to is when you're dealing with randomness in general, you're playing to the odds. And if you have a consistently good strategy, you will come out ahead is kind of the idea, right? So, all right. Well, that is an episode, <laughs> a very random episode. Um, I, yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe next week we will talk about uh, multiplayer solitaire because that, <laughs> I love that could it. Be. <laughs> we have to make Fletcher aware what this is because I don't, Fletcher, it seems like you have not heard this term before. What what term? Multi- multiplayer Multi- solitaire. solitaire. <laughs> no, it's yeah, funny. It's a, it's a very common thing. And so next week, Kitty and I are going to school you on multiplayer solitaire. <laughs> what Isn't that is. just a, a points game? Like you just, it's, it is a little bit like that. But there are some great games out there that are, are basically this. And with minor or no, I mean, Wingspan is multiplayer solitaire. Like if you really want an example of something like that. Um, well, I mean, not, there's a little bit of player interaction. A little bit. Yeah. We'll talk about it next week. This week... <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> and you can follow us on Facebook at slash Tabletop Game Talk Podcast. Twitter's Tabletop Game TLK. Kitty is Lawful Good Mom. Fletcher is Net Fletch. You can review us at iTunes or Apple Podcast. And you can check our Patreon out at tabletopgametalk.com slash Patreon. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Thanks for listening. And remember, we love your feedback. So email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Finally, a huge thank you to our patrons, Adam Harrison, The Gift of Games, Jason Strong, Terrence Miltner, Stephen Seitz, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry Huang, Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer Engelbrecht. Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David Radke, Nick Quickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Schwartzel, Anne Reynolds, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Dong, Faz Flintham, she- Sean Peck, Eric C. Lander, Mike Smith, Joe Hoover, Glenn Cotter, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd. Leanne Verholst, Christopher Letko, John Lewis, John Re- Joe Rockstad, <laughs> Rockstad, sorry, Joe, uh, Ron Nelson, Sahara Wentworth, Weatherman Keith, Nicholas Lotz, Angus Toth, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Matthew Droke, Aaron Moore, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, David Rank, Sam Lacett Brown, Christopher Comstock, and Ben Gary. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. So input randomness in our multiplayer solitaire. That's just Yahtzee, right? Or is that output? I don't even know anymore. I don't know. <laughs>